My guest today is Dr. Susie O'Brien, journalist, Herald Sun, Melbourne, and author of The Secrets of Half-Assed Parenting. Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. They were getting medals and certificates, not because they'd won a game, but because they had successfully completed a term of practice. Thinking, I wasn't going to take a photo anyway. I'm so sick of taking photos of my kids for doing absolutely nothing. So we're doing something wrong. We're spending so much time celebrating and venerating and commemorating our children when in fact maybe we're the ones who are actually doing a pretty good job. Be reminded that their parents love them by having a love heart drawn on a banana. A little bit more half-assed parenting is probably a good thing. Let the kids build their own Lego. Let the kids do their own homework. Let the kids make their own lunches and they're going to be better off for it and so are we. Well, they'll learn to cope with disappointment, you know, in a safe space <laughs> and failure in a safe space. And they'll learn to shake hands with the other team when they lose instead of getting all snotty and crying. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by Booby Foods, all natural and organic foods to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. Hey, so good morning. Here to share her tits up story is Dr. Susie O'Brien. Susie's a journalist and columnist with a PhD in education. And for the last 19 years, she's written about parenting and social issues for the Herald Sun and other News Limited papers. And she appears weekly on Channel 7 Sunrise. She and her partner have five kids between them. They're the Brady Bunch without Alice to cook dinner every night. Susie's also the author of a fun new book, but it's also thought provoking. You know, it is fun to read, but makes you think. The Secret of Half-Assed Parenting, Raising Kids with Half the Guilt and Twice the Joy. Welcome, Susie. Thanks, Pinky. So can you tell us, was there a tits-up moment that inspired you to write Half-Assed Parenting or was it something that you felt happening more gradually over time? Well, it was funny and, and I talk about this in the book. I was at a, a kid's um, sporting practice and I was um, sitting there on the sidelines with my laptop being a you know, crazy worker mum and the kids down on the, um, the soccer pitch were getting their photos taken uh, by all the other parents because they were getting medals and certificates, not because they'd won a game, but because they had successfully completed a term of practice. And I remember someone coming up to me in the stands and I'm frowning at my laptop and they said, oh, Sue, Susie, uh, would you like us to take a photo of your son for you? Because I can see you're busy. I remember looking up at these kids holding their medals and their certificates thinking, I wasn't going to take a photo anyway. I'm so sick of taking photos of my kids for doing absolutely nothing and celebrating every minor achievement of their lives. And I thought, you know what? I should be the one getting the medal because they hadn't won a game. They hadn't even played a game. All they'd done was turn up for half an hour a week of practice. And actually, you know what? Who did the hard work? 
the parents because we were the ones who got them off the PS4 and drove them there. We were the ones who found the mouth guard. We were the ones who found the footy boots under the trampoline, even though the kids that already looked there. So it made me realise we're doing something wrong. We're spending so much time celebrating and venerating and 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 commemorating our children when in fact maybe we're the ones who are actually doing a pretty good job and need to just take it down a little bit and start thinking about celebrating the parenting that we're doing because we're actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah, look, I don't know anyone that isn't doing their best. You know, yeah. everyone is doing the best that they can do, whatever the hell they're doing. And I, when you say that, it just I was just talking to my sister-in-law the other night, and she's a grandmother like I am, and she is going to has you know is going to a special breakfast this weekend. We sort of had a little bit of a grin about it because her grandson has is celebrating his fiftieth. I don't know what this basketball football. I can't even remember. Uh, and I said, but I wouldn't have known how many games my kids had played. Oh, maybe we were just slack mothers kind of laughing <laughs> going. What? This is a celebration because you've actually played, you know, you've got to 50 games. So I don't know, it's about 11, you know, and I just thought, of, oh, okay, who counts? You know, I was sort of going, who counts? Because I couldn't imagine and, who the and hell you know, would it's, count. <laughs> it's funny, Pinky, because my kids have done the same thing. And, you know, for those games, they turn up and they run through the banner just like the AFL players. Yes, yeah. And, you know, no one's saying that's not nice for kids. But I think somewhere along the line, we're, we're losing touch with raising kids to be resilient and tough enough to take the knocks to to lose a game without crying and and getting a three hot dogs and a four packets of chips um to to make up for the fact that they lost by one point or they didn't get touch the ball and i think we just need to get back to basics we're spending so much time you know parents these days are so hyper they're you know doing their kids homework for them because they think that they aren't doing a good enough job and they're um you know leaving love notes in their lunchbox because the kids just have to be um you know entertained and enthused mm. by their lunches and and be reminded that their parents love them by having a love heart drawn on a banana and or or parents are spending so much time driving their kids to play dates and sporting matches that they've actually forgotten to have a life of their own you know they'd never forget Tuesday afternoon soccer but they would forget to actually have a life of their own yeah so you're you're thinking parenting is getting harder do you really? I mean, getting harder. Is it all these expectations around it? What the hell's driving it? Well, you know, I don't actually think parenting's getting harder. We're making it harder because we're yeah. adding all this competition and all these um, expectations. And inside the heads of a lot of parents these days is, is a voice saying, do more, be more hands-on. You know, we're working longer hours and we're actually spending quite a lot of us less time with our kids uh, than our parents probably did. But it means that there's some inbuilt um expectation in our own heads that says the time we do spend with the kids we have to be much more hands-on and I look back these days look back I was a kid of the 70s and 80s and you know my parents would buy us Lego and they'd open the box and we'd sit on the living room floor and we'd make Lego these days the Lego comes in you know $200 boxes with 17 separate manuals and it's so complicated that the parents have to do it for the kids or certainly with the kids and you know 
it's it's a it's a really nice illustration of how parenting has changed that these days we think that being more hands-on and more involved and orchestrating not just where they go and what they do but how they play even is seen to be a better thing and I'm here to say a little bit more half-assed parenting is probably a good thing. Let the kids build their own Lego. Let the kids do their own homework. Let the kids make their own lunches and they're going to be better off for it and so are we. Well, they'll learn to cope with disappointment, you know, in a safe <laughs> space and failure in a safe space and they'll learn to shake hands with the other team when they lose instead of getting all snotty and crying. I mean, my <laughs> kids were 70s and 80s kids and I remember at one of the BMX races, um, Actually, some of the parents there were pretty full on too. And I remember my son winning and the kid that got second was so such in a half that his parents actually took him home. Oh, he was upset. And, and he's still 10 years old. You can't even take their own football boots off after a game. The parents are kneeling in the mud, removing their kids' shoes so that oh. they can put, you know, plastic bags on their feet before they get in the car. You think... Why should the parent get dirty and the kids stay clean? Like, it just makes no sense. And, you know, Pinky, I think um, you asked, you know, what's changed? Social media is another massive part because it provides a really um, tangible benchmark for all of us in terms of how we're doing as parents. And we can compare our own parenting to everybody else around us. And you know, a lot of people, the parents put their um, highlight reel on social, on social media. You don't put all oh, the crap. And yeah. so no wonder we're feeling like everyone else is nailing it when, in fact, they're probably not. Not all the time. But I have seen people on social media that I, you know, I have met and seen and know personally and go, no. oh, my goodness, when did you get that beautiful, you know? Oh. <laughs> their house is just as messy as mine. <laughs> I know, but they somehow managed to make it look absolutely perfect. Well, we can all tidy up a corner. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, there's so much, all this sort of wellness, empowerment, you know, a lot of it I think that, you know, there's some good stuff about it, but it goes way over the top, you know, that as a mother I'm expected to retain my sensuality and find my femininity like all the social media influences. And, you know, I care more about retaining my sanity and finding my daughter's mouth guard because it cost me 150 bucks. And I think it's time that we just get back to reality on social media as everywhere else and actually just be honest about the things that we're doing badly, the toasted sandwiches for dinner, the unmade kids' beds or whatever else it is, and stop trying to be so damn perfect all the time. We don't have to, no. But I mean, it starts with very young people. I mean, I, I'm sort of wondering, you know, with the really new mums, how much anxiety is provoked around... You know, I just had a mum text me last night about someone in, would it be okay for her husband to give her, you know, I don't know, about two week old, week and a half old baby, it's her second child, um, a bottle of express breast milk if she went to bed and had a really good sleep. And I said, <laughs> but because one of the midwives in hospital had told her it would muck up her breast milk supply, I said, you're an experienced mother, you know your own body, mm. your boobs are going to wake you up as soon as they get full anyway. Yeah, go to bed. Absolutely. I mean, you know, tomorrow do skin to skin and let that baby feed lots. If you feel any dip in your milk supply, you know, you go back to basics and you feed up. But just for one night, yeah, you know, it's okay. Your sanity is more important than 
you know, and she was giving express milk. It wasn't as though she was racing out and getting yeah. tins of formula or anything. So it was still coming from her body. And she would only be able to sleep for a few hours. I mean, probably three or four, maybe four or five instead of two, but, you know, with a newborn. But it wasn't going to hurt anybody. But she was so worried and anxious about it. And I just thought, this is so sad that people can't be loved up. You know, new mothers can't be loved up and told it's okay. But I think that's the thing we've become, we're second guessing ourselves and we're not trusting our gut. I mean, that mother mm. probably knew that would be okay. She wanted yeah. someone else to give her permission to do it. And I yes. think across the age range, that's how parents are behaving these days. And look, I'm, I'm as bad as anyone. I totally get it. And, you know, since I've written the book, people have been saying to me, am I giving my kids too much, um, you know, my toddler too many too much food in the squeezy pouch are my kids enrolled in too many activities are their kids not are their lunches not organic enough you know occasionally I don't cook dinner from scratch they tell me and I say well <laughs> good on you I hope you went out with the girls instead of cooking dinner from scratch for one night yeah you know, toasted sandwich and an apple there's about three food yeah. groups there and we've stopped the ability I think we've lost the ability to trust our instincts and to to really trust our gut you know we already know the answer to those questions you know if you're asking whether your toddler is having too many squeezy pouches then perhaps they are maybe you know do yes. some more cooking but because yes. you, you're asking the question because you probably know the answer um but you know, you're saying, are oh, my kids enrolled in too many activities? Yeah, well, maybe they are if you're never at home and you're spending the whole time trying to work out where, you know, where Saturday going? morning soccer is. Yeah where, yeah, where the hell you're meant to be. Um, so I think, you know, we have to trust our gut. And that comes back to, you know, newborns as well. One of the biggest ways that parents of newborns are judged so cruelly is you know is your baby sleeping through the night and oh I've got a whole section it's my pet peeve too <laughs> and I've got a whole section in the book about it and research shows that people's view of whether babies are sleeping through the night changes by about five hours so you can have someone whose baby sleeps for four hours and they say they slept through the night according to them they did Others say it has to be, you know, nine or 10. And so we've got all these changing goalposts, these competing expectations. No wonder people are ringing you in the middle of the night, pinking, saying, do I have permission to give my kid a bottle? Yeah, well, it was, um, when you say that about the different perceptions, I was actually teaching baby massage a few years ago and, you know, the mother's filed and it was in a room at the back of a health food shop and so they had their drinks and their smoothies and what have you and they're all sitting around. And I said, right, let's talk about sleep while we're here, you know, because yeah. we're doing the baby massage yeah. and this discussion about sleep. And it was really interesting because half the mothers said, oh, no, I'm getting up to my baby at night. And the other half was saying, oh, no, my baby sleeps all night. Now, one baby slept all night even though it had a boob several times in the night because it was sleeping in bed with yeah. the mum. So she didn't yeah. actually put her feet on the floor. So that baby yeah. was sleeping all night. There was another baby. The mum got up and put the dummy in a couple of times. Um, so her baby, I don't know whether her baby was waking or sleeping, but it, it was really about the parent's perception, Yeah, like you say, about, you know, how the baby was actually sleeping. But the first question everybody asks a new mother is, is he a good baby? Yeah, is he sleeping? And you're you... young and old and it's yeah. the next one. And I just say, no, tell him he's a bad baby. He's already, you know, come home drunk last night, yeah. robbing banks or something like that. And, and then, you know, 
after being pregnant for all that time where you don't drink anything or hardly drink anything, you suddenly have one glass of wine and then you think, oh, my God, is my baby going to get drunk? And, you know, like I think we have to keep these things in perspective and, you know, remember that the stuff on social media isn't, you know, the other mums aren't out there to trap us, to judge us, to hate us. They're probably feeling just as insecure as we are. And, you know, when you've got parents who are new parents in particular who are turning up at the school gate or the kinder gate or the childcare gate and looking at all the other mums who seem to have it all together, you know, in their beautiful, their thigh gap and their athletic wear. And you know what? That mum with the thigh gap and the beautiful PE Nation outfit She's been wearing that for three days now. She's had half an hour's sleep in 48 hours and she's hoping that you don't notice that she's got a massive stain on her top. So, like, we have to just stop thinking that everyone else has got it together and we don't and that they are judging us as a result. They're not. That mum in the PE Nation top just wants you to ask her out for a drink or a coffee or ask her over to hold her baby so she can have a nap. So I think yeah, we have for to a just, shower. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> Give me a nap over a shower any day. Mm. Um. Newborns need to be fed around the clock and the mama milk machine does not stop day or night. The average baby requires at least nine hours of hands-on care a day. And that doesn't include all the extra tasks of washing, cooking and basic self-care, like simply having a shower that goes with a new addition to your family. As you breastfeed and care for your baby, feeding yourself is often the last thing you can manage. And this is why I, Pinky, I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, created delicious booby foods. So far, booby brickies and booby brekkie to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. As a nourishing snack, an analysis by Victoria University Melbourne found that Pinky's booby foods can be a helpful nutritional complement to a healthy, balanced diet. And because we know that everything mothers eat will be passed to their baby through breast milk, booby bickies and booby brekkie are made from all natural and organic ingredients with no preservatives or additives. You can download my free ebook, Making More Mummy Milk Naturally. And you'll get 15% off any purchase when you order booby bickies, booby brekkie, or any of the carefully curated breastfeeding accessories at www.boobyfoods.com.au. Use the code TITSUP at checkout to receive your 15% discount. to be kinder to ourselves but kinder to to those around us as well that's right yes because when you say about they think everyone's so together I remember seeing three mums within uh within a week or so um all living in Fitzroy which is the suburb yeah. of Melbourne for those yeah. who aren't in Melbourne and all had babies the same age and I'm saying to them have you you know and they were crying and teary and all that other stuff and I said have you talked in your mum's group about this oh no everyone's so together and each mother said that to me and because yeah. of confidentiality I couldn't <laughs> say do you know her around the corner she's probably in your mum's group too no, oh yeah. and and you know like the mother's groups I mean I've got friends who went to one mother's group and then they just ran they they felt that you know it was okay to put on a bit of weight while you're pregnant as long as you were back in the size eight 
you know, true religion genes by the first mothers group. And, you know, I think, and I talk about this in the book, I feel like I spent so much time when I was a new mother trying to project this sort of uh, image of um, control and not perfection, but, you know, that I was sort of managing you had it well. together. Yeah. Um, had it together that I lost I lost probably a year of really great intimate relationships with those women in my mother's group because I didn't let them in I didn't want to admit that I was flailing with controlled crying or worrying about breastfeeding or you know and we was we'd sit there and we'd talk about what private school the kids were enrolled for and all these silly things when we should really have been talking about how our boobs would so- sore and how our husbands have kept pestering us for sex and things like that (laughs) all the really important things (laughs) and how you don't actually want someone to um you know buy you another bunch of flowers you want them to do a load of washing you know absolutely god i hope there's some men listening to this too (laughs) yeah no more sex we've done enough no don't worry about the sex you've had that now (laughs) get on with the washing So or if you want sex, do the washing first, yeah. Well, yes. I remember um, I grew up in New Zealand and one of that, my dad was a truck driver and one of the Maori men that worked for him said, um, if I don't tell the dishes, I don't care, nookie. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. I was sort of eavesdropping as a teenager, you know, going, what on earth is he talking about? Ah! <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny. In, in the book, I talk about some research um, involving a study of new mums and they looked at what they most needed. And one of the things was retraining husbands to help with housework because there was this sort of sense that the, the husbands wanted to be hands-on fathers and wanted to do everything they could to help. But what actually some of the mums needed um, was to, um, to get the stuff down on the home front. And, and they, they wanted the men to be great fathers, but they also didn't want to be stuck doing everything else while everyone was holding the baby. So here's the baby, now go and do the dishes. And so retraining the housework shy husband was actually a really key part of this program in getting new couples with new babies to communicate better and to get along better. And then when they have had that practical help, I mean, because there's nothing worse than sitting there stuck on the couch with your baby on your boob noticing you know the pile of dirty dishes or the dust all around the skirting boards or whatever the hell and yeah that's just horrible and when they help you you've got more time for them you know it's the greatest turn on of all as a bloke that actually (laughs) notices that doesn't have to be asked (laughs) tell me when you find out how to teach them (laughs) I'm pretty good at husband training my husband reckons I should start a certificate course (laughs) (laughs) yeah it takes a long time though so do you think with all these parents you know as we get into the older kids do you think the parents think that if their kids are failing whatever the hell that means to anybody or they're not achieving really highly that that it's a reflection of the parents you know they're wearing their kids as some sort of badge of their own good parenting well, certainly in the 70s and 80s, if a kid was naughty, um, we'd blame the kid. Uh, we wouldn't blame the parent. But I think these days we actually do blame the parent. It's, it's we're, we're judged for our children's behaviour, even though we might have no control over it. Mm. Um, and, and I think that there is this really judgy sort of mentality where people are kind of looking at, you know, how many activities, what's in the lunchbox, 
what you're wearing to school pick up, um, you know, the, the shouting that goes on on the sidelines of uh, soccer, you know, soccer matches or the competitive kind of has the, the, the eight-year-old got the lead in the ballet or, you know, has she got the, the front she, the front of the line in calisthenics or whatever. Um, I think we are, we're living through our kids because we are working so much more. We're feeling guilty about doing that. And so we feel like they are our, you know, sort of greatest gift to the universe is our children. And I'm here to say, we've got to let some of that go because not only is it driving us crazy, it's driving our kids crazy because we're being so over, we're over-parenting. They've got no resilience. They're full of anxiety because they don't get a chance to go to the park and stay there, to make their own lunches, to make their own toasted sandwiches, to play without us organising at first. And I think we need to get back to basics and let our kids do more things for themselves. I totally agree with that, yes. <laughs> You know, obviously being half out doesn't mean neglecting the kids completely. You know, I talk about benevolent neglect being, you know, really stepping back and letting kids deal with the things that they can manage by themselves. But is there a line between half-assed and good enough? Or is it like you say, when you're asking as a kid having too many squeezy tube foods, it's probably you probably already know that you're yeah. going over that You're line. asking the question because you know the answer. Well, I say it. half-ass parenting is about doing half as much um, and knowing it's more than enough. It's not about giving up and doing a bad job across the board. It doesn't mean less love or less empathy or less perfection, uh, protection. Half-ass parenting is releasing yourself from other people's expectations and rules and judgment because we're so concerned with how we look as parents, how we appear to everybody else, that we're kind of losing faith in our own ability to say no, to not do their homework, to let them go to the park by themselves, to raise our kids the way that we were raised. Um, because we're, we, we think that if we le let the kids go to the park by themselves, someone's going to call DHS, or, you know, or if we don't give them organic vegetables, then what are the, what are the mums from mothers group going to say about that? Like we've actually just got to have confidence in our own abilities and trust our gut and not worry about what other people are thinking. Because you know what? Other people are so wrapped up in their own lives. They don't have time to judge you or me or anyone else. And they just want us to be their friend. <laughs> they mm. don't want us to be their competitor. And I think as new mums, that's a really important message. They don't think they've got it together either. That's a really important message. It's probably the, the most important message, isn't it? And, you know, we yeah. are harshest critics of our yeah. own selves yeah. and it pulls us up. And, you know, if anyone is judging us or being nasty, they're not our people anyway. You know, what other people think of us is none of our business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got friends who turn up to, um, you know, the school cake stall and they've been up all night baking and they're worried that someone's going to see that, it, you know, it isn't a perfect Donahue, you know, chocolate cupcake with the perfect <laughs> swirl. That, And I'm like, just go to Coles and buy something from the shelf. You know what? I've learned if anything you serve on a dirty oven tray, people assume is homemade. <laughs> 
So I just, you know, pull out a dirty <laughs> oven tray, put it on, you know, ruffle up the edge of those cupcakes. No one's going to know the difference if that's what makes you feel better. Or you know what? If you're going to be judged because you're doing school pickup in your nighty by the other mums, get some new friends. You know, if, if you're wearing slippers to pick up because that's the kind of morning you've had, you don't need to be judged by the other mums. You need better friends who are going to understand where you're at. And look, maybe some shoes that look like slippers or slippers that look like shoes might be handy. Um, so we just have to kind of let it go, trust ourselves and be kind to those around us. Oh, that, that's great. That's, that's really great about, you know, ditching that guilt and knowing everyone else wants to be your friend. You know, well, some of them do. <laughs> you're most, most of your people, if you're honest. They're always, you know, there's always the mean girls out there. Um, but, you know, steer clear. And you probably find that they're putting up this massive front because they've got, they've racked with insecurity anyway. And they probably just really want you to open up to them and become your friend. And then this great source of competitiveness and guilt is kind of removed because you're all, all on the same page. And I think you have, before you have that first child, you have that preconceived idea. You've seen all the beautiful Insta mums, you know, floating down the beach in a white dress with a toddler and no dirty fingerprints on their dress in the photo. And you think you're going to, you know, not, I was even having my kids in the 70s, you know. Oh, don't let yourself go. You oh, know, I know. And to... Yeah, it's so <laughs> it true. There. It's always been oh. there. I know. I used to, my mum was a 70s feminist and I used to think she'd just look better if she wore a bit more lipstick, you know, <laughs> mean old me. No, that was when I was like six years old. Um, and, um, but you know, what? I, I, I'm a bit like you, Pinky. I mean, I, I thought I was going to be the perfect mum. I had it all worked out. I had, you know, you have 40 weeks to envision yourself as the perfect mum. And that lasted about two days, thanks to some very fine hospital drugs. And then when number two came along, it was more like, oh, she'll be right. Lucky no one saw me do that. And by the third one, you know, you barely even notice them at all. If they're, if they're screaming, they're breathing, you know, and, and unless yeah. there's blood, and you just don't worry about it. carry them up and, you know, you... <laughs> actually, my kids would play in the backyard and they'd come in and say, someone's hurt and I'd say, is there blood? Yeah, <laughs> no, no. If they can walk in, you'll be right. I mean, I do, I have actually spent a lot of time saying to my kids, oh, you'll be right. <laughs> and then we... You know, they have an x-rayed about two weeks later to find they've actually broken a hand or whatever, you know, but never mind. <laughs> you know, no, my one, my big one, big tits up moment was when my son on Christmas Day said he had a bellyache and I'm going, go and do a poo. Anyway, didn't fix him. And um, he was a teenager and he said, oh, that's your real question, is it, Mum? And I could see he was getting a bit white in the face. And I said, yeah. stand up, can you put your leg down? And he couldn't. And I said, where's your belly? I said, oh. I think he's got appendicitis. Oh, which one's taking him to hospital and which one's going in for Christmas dinner with the rest of the family? <laughs> and he had his appendix out on Christmas. Oh, my goodness. After I'd said to him, you know, go and do a poo. <laughs> oh, look, I, the book, I've got a whole section in the book about bad mums and shitty mums. And it's there's a I, I did at my local primary school a bit of a call out to mums with their sort of guilty bad mum secrets and I've got some some wonderful stories of people who um they've got the the toddler and the newborn in the double pram and the toddler says oh, I need to go to the toilet mum mum I need to go to the toilet and the mum says oh come on you know I told you to go before we left you'll be right just hold on till we get to the park and then three seconds later there's wee dripping down through the pram onto the baby <laughs> below <laughs> <You know>. yeah <laughs> 
Um, and, and that's what I love about your book is that you've got so many real things that we actually can relate to. You know, it's not about perfection. And like you say, it's not about being a total digit parent. It's actually, you well, know, it's actually things. being a better parent because you're less encumbered by competition and guilt and worry and you've actually freeing yourself up to do a good job and to be a happier person I mean the whole book came about because I was doing some some a story about some research that showed that one-fifth of parents say that they were happier before they had kids and these are kids they wanted to have and one-third of parents are so stressed they don't actually know if they're happy or not and you think wow we're oh, living sad. in a in a in a um, you know, a wonderful, supportive society. You know, we're so lucky here in Australia. How, what, what's gone wrong to make parents feel so damned unhappy and so stressed? And so the book was really not only looking at what, why we're in this position, but also how we can turn things around. Yep. How, how would you see us turning it around other than, you oh, know, I th chilling I out a bit? And, I think and social media, get, yep. stop get following people on social, no, not even get off it, but stop following people on social media who don't make you feel good about yourself. Stop yep. thinking that all the other mums are judging you for doing a bad job when they're probably, as I say, just want you to invite them over for a wine, W-H-I-N-E, as well as the <laughs> yeah. other kind. Um, you know, cultivate your friends, uh, you know, surround yourself with people who make you feel good about yourself. And don't worry about all of those who um, seem to have it better, you know, be doing it better and the babies that sleep through the night, you know, all the rest of it. They're having as hard a time as you. And, and, and the more that you let down the barriers and let them in and be honest about how you're going and how you're feeling, you'll feel more supportive. And I think the other really important thing, as I keep saying in this interview, is trust your gut you know, you know um, for yourself what the answers are. Um, and, you know, you we really, we, do. we really yeah. have to trust ourselves to get it right and to get it right more of the time without um, overcomplicating um, our lives. Yeah. Now, as just a bit of a joke before we finish up, something personal. As a mum, can you share one of your tits up moments? Oh. <gasps> Oh, my God. Um, Any age. <laughs> so I wouldn't even. <laughs> so many. I, I, the time that I gave my son to play with the keys and he locked himself in the car and he was 18 months and I had to have the window of the car broken to release him. The time that I lost my daughter in Target and um, ended up like, calling the police and crying and she was just nestled in the bra section trying on bras um all the times that I've dropped my kids off to school when it wasn't on <laughs> there's a be be um be suspicious when you get a park right out the front that's usually a sign that you're doing something wrong <laughs> if you're taking <laughs> kids to school on a pupil free day um, look, I have had so many, um, so many wonderful um, bad mum or tits up moments. And, you know, you really just have to laugh at yourself and keep notes because um, you, looking back on all those moments uh, where you think that you've just had a really bad day, but, you know, in hindsight, you can see the humour in it all. Oh, it is. I found a note the other day that um, 
teachers had sent home with my youngest child. And I pulled it out and showed him. I said, have a look at this. <laughs> at the time, it wasn't funny, but now it's terribly funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, and, and, and I think, um, you know, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others, be honest about how you're going. Ask for help if you need it. And, um, you know, keep Pinky on speed dial. How's that? <laughs> no. I'm hiding my phone number. Trust the woman with the pink hair. <laughs> no, but I think that's really great advice, you know, and, and laugh. Yeah. And, and you've got to laugh. It, other people aren't going to laugh at you if you don't, you know, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself and, 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 and see them, see, see these bizarre moments where you just think wow I really mucked that one up um that's okay the kids are you know as Roseanne says the kids are still alive at the end of the day then you've probably done a pretty good job and the other thing is when they get older and have their own kids you know they don't want to think they had a perfect mother they love teenagers especially love having a chat about their you know ridiculous mother <laughs> yeah I mean my son we still sit around at the dinner table and talk about how my son was 18 months old and um did poo painting in the cot his poor grandfather had to clean it up <laughs> you know where you walk in the house and go what's that smell and they go oh yeah tom had a bit of fun at midnight <laughs> oh, you should throw it back on them anyway yeah, that's you know, right. perfect children and we're perfect parents there's there's no laughs with the teenagers mm. now pinky i've got to go yes well i'm gonna right? go so sign off Thank you, Susie. Oh. And where can people go to follow you and your work and where can they get your book? Well, I'm on Facebook, um, Susie.O'Brien. And um, the book is available from all good bookshops. I think it's still in Target and Kmart. And, uh, you know, you've, you've made it when it's in Target. And it's online. And so it's called The Secret of Half-Ass Parenting. And I hope parents read it and just have a laugh and feel good about the job they're doing. Right. Thanks very much. And I'll put that link, you know, links to all your stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pinky. All the very best. Yeah. Thanks, Susie. Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by Booby Foods, all natural and organic foods to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.